Welcome to the Tom Bernard Show. Filling in for Tom Bernard, I'm Dave Schrader along with... Andy Ram Bernard. And Cassie Schrader. Valentine's Day is right around the corner. How do you handle kids' first crushes? Florence Ann Romano will join us in just a few minutes to discuss that on the Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, One of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and <laughs> it's gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. Join us every Thursday at 2 o'clock Central for our newest podcast, Car Selling Secrets. It'll be co-hosted by me, Tom Bernard, and Doug Sprinthal from Walzer Automotive Group. We'll be talking about lots of stuff relating to how dealership sales actually work, as well as the latest product updates from nearly every make sold in the USA. If you have questions for the podcast, either email Doug at Walzer.com or call the studio live at 952-800-1492. They make it sound so sweet, don't they? The Osmonds. Pop, puppy love's got to be the most destructive force of nature. You think so? I do, as a parent. Come on, you, you don't remember having your first real crush as a kid and how devastating it was when things didn't work out right? Well, my first crush was at six, so <laughs> right. And was I it- was not emotionally matured enough to be devastated when it didn't work out. See, I, but mine was uh, probably around that same age in kindergarten, and I remember the yeah. girl Kathy. And uh, had a big crush on her. We used to uh, go out to the playground hand in hand. And then the one day I remember Tommy was holding her hand walking out to the playground. Didn't end well. Mm. That's all I got to say. I'm a little bit on the vindictive side, even at the age of six, Andy. Well, I mean, kids aren't known for their even-headedness. No. So uh, there's that. I bum-rushed him, knocked him to the ground. And then Kathy looked at both of us disgusted and walked off with another kid. And uh, Tommy and I just ended up playing for the rest of the time. Oh, well then. So, but I remember the devastating blow, that feel, that that nauseating punch to the gut. Mm-hmm. And I think the the other big one that kind of uh, influenced me, I went to Y camp. What's that? YMCA. Oh, summer camp. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and Lacey Canopietis, that was the crush I fell in love with at uh, at Y camp, Camp Lincoln, and. Uh, 
it was funny because we like we got back and I was trying to you know you don't think of asking for phone numbers when you're 12 you know so I ended up finding out where she lived she lived not far from me so I used to just bike around her block over and over hoping she would come out before stalking mm-hmm. was a thing I was kind of a, a forerunner in this I guess well if you're a kid you can't really stalk I think you can <laughs> well did, I mean how old were you I was about 12 that's still pretty innocent. But it was that, that wave of love, that wanting to get to know her more. And, mm-hmm. you know, not that I had anything physically affectionate I wanted to do. Yeah. We held hands by the campfire yeah. at Y Camp. I remember that. And I, I let her have my Pepe Le Pew that I'd won just before leaving to the, uh, to the Y Camp. I'd won a big stuffed Pepe Le Pew. And mm-hmm. I don't know why I had it, but I had it tucked mm-hmm. in my bag and brought it with. And she loved it, so she got to keep my Pepe Le Pew. Are you a little jealous, honey? <laughs> That, I, I that you're not the first Pew. woman I've ever given my Pepe Le Pew to? <laughs> yeah. Florence Ann Romano will be joining us in a few moments, and uh, we'll talk with her about first crushes. What, uh, you know, I don't know. Do, do you remember your first crush, Cassie? Mm. Or there's been so many it's hard to separate them all. Yeah, it was a neighborhood boy, um, but he had a crush on me, too. We, He would bike around my house. Now I think you're just trying to make me jealous. Now no. it's just like, oh, you biked around her house. He biked around my house. No, he did. I would. I remember looking out my front window and I would see Billy go by, and I'm like, oh, he wants he wants me to come out and play. And I was probably like seven or eight. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and we kissed underneath the pine tree. At, at the age of seven? Yeah. Like, I don't even. My know first you. kiss was at seven. What? I mean, like you know, kiss as in. It was like know, a peck. PG. It <laughs> yeah. It should have been a G at that Squint age. Squint your I mean. eyes well, really yeah. hard. And exactly. Were you doing the love boat kisses, just kind of mashing your faces? Pretty much. Yeah, you're, yeah. Ju- you're just copying what you see on <laughs> TV because it's, you know, boy and a girl. That's what you do. Mm-hmm. Seven or eight, you're making out under the pine tree. Yeah. I don't <laughs> even know Exactly. <laughs> I'm kind of revolted by this whole theory. What? Seven or eight. That's way too young. What would you do if you walked outside and Max... Was out there making out Are with the neighborhood me? girl. Max told me that I asked him the other day. I'm like, "Do you have a girlfriend?" He goes, "Well, kinda." I'm like, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Amy." I th- I said, "I thought Amy was your." Uh, I said, "I thought you were married to her because that's in his mind. They're married." He goes, mm. "Isn't she your wife?" He goes, "Which one?" I'm like, "How many do you have?" Wow. So he's a he's a player. He's a player. So have you? That's actually him? one of the questions in the calendar. What to say when eight-year-old Susie tells you she got married on the playground? <laughs> I don't know what to say. He's got like a couple girlfriends, a couple wives. He's <laughs> I don't know what what he's up to, but he sure is cute. Girlfriends and wives. I did, that concept wasn't even in my mind. I, I don't know where. It, but he I just wanted did, to hold did, her hand and walk around the playground together. He told me at one point he did get divorced from Amy, but I think they <laughs> made up. Oh, well, that's good. So he's on his second marriage day, you know? Yeah, they got remarried. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but how would you react if you walked in on, on them making out? Oh, Not I making be... out, making out, but, you know, kid kissing. God, that's hard because at the same time it's cute and sweet when they're that little. What you've never? No, I would get the fire hose out. Really? Yeah, you just have to point me at him, and I'd break down the hose and mm. let him have it. Oh. Is Florence on? Uh, no, not yet. Okay, all right. I just want to make sure we don't miss her on that call. Yeah, I'd, I'd break out the hose and just start <laughs> soaking the little jerks right there in the front. Well, yard. I suppose. Hey, 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 I mean, he, break it up. He. He is a boy. I'm not. I can't see it as a perspective of a parent of a girl. I'm seeing it as a parent 
of a boy. So I don't know. I think it'd be kind of cute as long as it was not. It was very very PG. Um, but yeah, I'd, I don't know. And but like my older boys, they don't really have an interest in girls yet. And they're you know one's going to be fifteen, and then the other one is twelve. Well, we do have the the weird issue with the twins. Yeah. So her her son Charlie looks very similar to my daughter Ripley and they're the mm. same age separated by a month but mm. they both have there are there are times that they both grew, go through a very kind of giddy stage around each other yeah and it's re- mm. yeah and your stepbrother and sister i mean it's legal yeah but it's uh yeah that makes me uncomfortable on occasion <laughs> watching I... watching the the googly eyes and then they'll go off into one of each other's rooms and just cuddle on the bed and watch tv all day and i'm like oh it's brother and sister i don't want to be a jerk i want this bonding moment but i i kind of get the vibe that it's not just that yeah. i know i think i think they like each other a little bit oh good god i know it's it's kind of weird what do you do in that situation? i don't know let's ask florence ann romano when she calls in because that's a Blending in families, that, that might be taking blending a little too far. Yeah, that's like making a smoothie there. <laughs> a smoothie? Hmm. Well, I, 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 don't know, I don't know what to say because I don't want to say anything that may not be true, you know? Right. I don't want to be like, what are you guys really up to? And be like, what are you talking about? You know, because Charlie is affectionate and he's very um, laid back. Like I think there are a lot of like, you know, in that sense. They're very laid back mm-hmm. and sweet and kind and and attracted to one another (laughs) under our roof i know they're so funny yeah it's amazing how much they look alike and act alike and you know but yeah charlie will go in her room and they'll sit on the bed and watch netflix on her laptop and whatnot and what do you do i i (laughs) i don't want to be like no you can't go in there you know i just it's very odd. It puts puts us in a very awkward. Yeah, it, de- it definitely makes a, a very uneasy alliance awkward. at home. But there's there's that uh, connection. I guess Florence had a had. She thought we were supposed to be contacting her. Uh, oh, so she's gonna hopefully call in in the next minute or two. But we'll only have a few minutes with her to. Uh, oh, to she spare. is uh, on now. Oh, perfect. <clears throat> Great. Florence and Romano, the uh, Windy City nanny, is with us. Hello, Florence. How are you? Hi. How are you? Good. I know you've only got about five minutes here with us, but uh, we were talking puppy love. Here's Okay, here's the weird thing, right? When we're talking about these first crushes, how do you get them over that? We've got an interesting dynamic at our house. We've got uh, my wife has got a 12-year-old son. I have a 12-year-old daughter. Uh, we always refer to them as the twins. They're born a month apart, and they look disturbingly alike one another. So... Um, that's, you know, that's been all real cute and fine and they get along great, but we started to notice that sometimes the getting along looks a little bit more googly eyed than it should. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, that's a a movie in the making right there. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I can see Drew Barrymore playing my wife in the movie. And of course, Brad or Bruce Willis playing me as they talk about the movie of the week, strange love, they'll call it. But uh, what what do you do in situations like that when step? siblings start finding an attraction to one another is that something you you do you talk about it do you nip it in the bud do you just hope it goes away well i i think it becomes a a more general conversation truthfully because you you don't want to embarrass kids you know puppy love is it's a real thing it's a real emotion that they're feeling they're feeling real things so you want to acknowledge it but in your situation i would say you know (laughs) there's a big embarrassment factor to Mm -hmm. that 
So you wouldn't want to sit them down and be like, hey, I'm seeing something a little impure about how you look at each other. I mean, that's just going to be, I think, a, a more uh, disturbing conversation than you would like. So it, it's more talking about, okay, you know, what's it feel like, you know, when you like a guy or you like a girl or, you know, talking about like what's going on in school, who's dating who and, you know, what do you call that when they're there at that age? You know, there's going out, there's talking to, there's, you know, all sorts of different things. So I'd have a more general conversation about getting the temperature of what's going on in their lives. Um, but if you start to see things that are giving, you know, some red flags, um, then I would say then, you know, you don't worry about embarrassing and you worry about parenting. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's a that's a good step. Now, all right, talking about the first crushes, you know, I remember my first crush, Kathy, and she walked off hand in hand with Tommy, which left me reduced to feeling miserable. And at the age of six, that's kind of weird to realize you've got that kind of feeling for somebody. Aww. I didn't want to kiss Aww. or smooch her. I just wanted to hold her hand and walk around the playground as we always did. But apparently Tommy thought it looked fun, too, the little bastard. And, uh, you know, <laughs> we, we cross swords. Uh, but, you know, what do you do when, when kids face that first crush i mean it's so hard to tell them don't worry there's and especially at that age there's so much more in front of you but kids feel devastated by that and that's why it's funny. they call it a crush and that's true you feel crushed by it right mm -hmm. i mean it's, it's a great word to actually describe it but there's nothing small about it and yeah you can tell there's more fish in the sea and all of that but really it's trying to spin it in a positive direction saying that you know oh you know it's wonderful to feel you know feelings towards a person and what do you like about them? Do you like it that they play sports really well or do you like their smile? Try to make it more of a conversation about what are the feelings that they're feeling. Um, and then, you know, being able to relate that to different things in their life, you know, why they like their friends, you know, why they, you know, like certain things, you know, certain foods or anything. I know that sounds maybe silly to say, you know, liking it to why they like a food, but it's trying to get children to understand what emotions are and what feelings are and being able to kind of differentiate that between a lot of different categories. Also, the most important thing you can do is be able to talk to your children about feelings. And, you know, eventually they're going to become those sullen teenagers, right, where they don't right. want to talk to you about anything. And, they're, you know, and you want to start very young, you being a safe place for them to have a conversation so that when they do get older and start experiencing more adult things, that they feel that they can come to you because you've been there, seen it, done it. So it's, it's a larger, you know, kind of long game that you're playing here right. when it comes to puppy love. But the most important thing was not to embarrass. Right. And that I understand. What, is the, what do you think is the right age to, as a parent, allow your children to date, to, you know, be, you know, really start to get involved in that because I'm, you know, I've got kids straddling every age range and I'm just, I've never really known. Thankfully, most of my kids have been, have been socially awkward and, and waited till they were 17 or 18 to start dating. But what's, you know, now I've got kids that are, are definitely more, in, my girls are more interested in boys at the age of 12 and 13 and 14. My boys are, my step boys are definitely interested in, in girls. What's the right age to say, yeah, that that's fine. This is okay. Well, it, it depends on how, again, they're defining what dating is and they're great. I mean, I know when I was in eighth grade, our version of going out with a guy was like we walked into town and he bought us like a piece of like, you know, really cheap jewelry or something like that. And they were like, oh, they're together. This is wonderful. And oh, yay. And that's like, you know, 13 years old. And so, you know, there, and there wasn't really a threat of anything too physical kind of really happening then. But that's the larger conversation you have to have with your children about what, again, what's 
going on in their grade level? You know, is there kissing? You know, what? And that's why you have to get them comfortable talking to you about, you know, kind of what they're experiencing and exposed to. And unfortunately, our children are going up really, really fast today yeah. based on kind of what they have, you know, kind of out there to influence them. So there, I wouldn't say that there's any specific time they should start dating because um, that word is defined so differently. I would say it's a more important conversation to talk about the physicality and respect that you have for each other and for, you know, even younger children when you talk about private parts and all of that. And, you know, you, know, you don't show these things, you don't touch these things, you know, there's no playing doctor sort of, you know, you know that, all of that. So it's a larger conversation that you kind of keep just kind of peeling back the onion on. But regarding the physicality, that's where you have to get concerned and you have to find out what's really going on in their grade and what their influence level is. Yeah, I guess that it's, it is um, kind of dependent on each one of the kids. But now 10-year-olds are going steady. I just, I'm not prepared for this stuff, Florence. It's... You know, my daughters are coming home talking about how their friends have boyfriends, and, oh, it's it's horrifying. And it's also just kind of like a declaration of independence that they're not babies anymore. Yeah, right. And, oh, you know, we're going to fly this flag, you know. But, you know, and sometimes it's, it's innocent. Sometimes it is really innocent. Um, and, uh, you know, let's keep our kids innocent as long as we can. But Amen. also let's not be naive <laughs> and think, though, that things aren't going on. And you do need to make sure that, you know, everybody respects each other and they understand what the repercussions right. are um, of dating in a physical relationship. So that, you know, blows it open to a whole different set of questions. And, Check and out uh, more information on our guest. You can find her at WindyCityNanny.com. Florence Ann Romano, always great to catch up with you. Thanks for stopping in today and have a very happy Valentine's Day. Oh, you too. Happy Valentine's. Thank you. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more Tom Bernard Show. It's Tom Bernard with North American Banking Company CEO and my buddy, Michael Bilski. Michael, let's say somebody has a plan to expand their business this year. How can North American Banking Company get that job done? At North American Banking Company, we'll take time to understand the customer's needs and wants and their plans for the future. Once we have a good understanding of that, we'll try to solve their financing dilemma. We won't take a cookie-cutter approach to any financing situation. Wonderful. So if I need cash to expand my podcast, you got a plan for me, too? No. (laughs) (laughs) God, thank you. I see where this is going. Well, we love working with you. We can help any business, including a podcast that's already very successful. Who's better than you? That's what I want to know. I still never liked you, though. You are. No, I never. Don't try to make up. I don't like (laughs) you. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and an equal housing lender. Tom here. Over the years, you've heard me go on and on about my eyes and how great I've been treated by the folks over at Whiting Clinic. Well, it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States and the trusted LASIK provider around these parts. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts that they are, They want to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. For a limited time, mention my name and receive an additional $300 off your LASIK. That's $300 off Whiting Clinic's already low price for LASIK. Trust your eyes to Twin Cities LASIK experts. Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. Visit whitingclinic.com or call 855-554-2020 and don't forget to tell them Tom sent you. Offer expires March 31st, 2019. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offers.
What a romantic 80s love song. This is the first song you sent to me. Shh. <laughs> secrets, honey, secrets. I know. Our studio number, 952-800-1492. What was your first crush? Feel free to give us a call. Did you have an embarrassing first love, an issue like that? You know, the, the whole concept of you, know, you don't want to embarrass the kids. Um, but how do you, you know, I don't know. I, I feel bad because that those first loves can really be devastating. Oh, yeah. And when they end, you know, the whole thing that I've tried to be very open with my kids about, and you know, hopefully they've seen, well, dad's been divorced twice, so obviously love finds a way to come back around, right? Mm-hmm. You can continue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's been the big thing I've tried to tell, you know, my kids as they've uh, hit these levels. I know Nathan felt devastated. He finally got a girlfriend in senior year of high school. And the thing is, my kids... You know, it's not for lack of being a good-looking kid. He works out. He's he's built. He's he was doing modeling. He just was so shy, yeah. awkwardly. He didn't want to engage. So he finally got a girlfriend. When that fell apart, it's kind of you know, even at that age, you're kind of like that first blow. You're like, uh, you know, and yeah. it's trying to show them and convince them, hey, you can get over this. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll be. This is just one step. And even in in basic relationships. Uh, with Kayla, she was she dated a little bit more, but she again waited till later in high school, mm-hmm. which made my life a lot easier. Um, but the one day, Andy, I'm, I'm driving in the car. Right, we went to a movie screening. I think I might have told this the other day, but we're going to a movie screening. I go up and I'm introducing the film, and and it's a scary movie, and people are asking, "What's the scariest thing you've ever seen?" And I said, "My daughter on a first date with this kid in the front row," and everybody starts laughing, and my daughter turns eighteen shades of red, of yeah. course, and. Uh, we're on our way home, and I'm driving, and I look up in the rearview mirror, and my my daughter's sitting up oh, against yeah, the deal, and he's kind of, um, or my, the guy's sitting up against the door, she's kind of leaned against him, and the hand starts going up over the shoulder and starting to go down the shirt. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I get his attention and then tell him, hey, you know, other dads would be polishing their shotgun mm-hmm. or showing you their knife collection. I just want you to know I'm a paranormal guy. Did my daughter tell you I can summon demons? Mm-hmm. And, you know... You, but what do you do in these situations when kids have got no class yeah. that they're in the back seat? And I understand there's that element of getting caught. There's that excitement. But to me, it just showed complete disrespect for my daughter and for me mm-hmm. to do something like that. Now, to her benefit, I told her on the way home, I said, I'm never going to tell you you can't date a guy like that. But that showed that he had no respect for you. Yeah, totally. Or for your father or the situation. And to her credit, she broke up with him. Mm-hmm. So that was positive. But then, she, man, did she come home with a barrage of morons. It's pretty common. Yeah. And uh, they just these skinny, heroin-addicted-looking kids. They weren't, but they were all just, like, emaciated and tattooed <laughs> and gauges in their ears. And, you know, I don't care about the look overall, but it was just like uh, you just looked and you're like, oh, I got a job. No, I live in my parents' house, (laughs) but sometimes I mow their lawn for 10 bucks, and you're like, oh, God, honey, you can do so much better. What do you find attractive? That's why when she finally connected with her her fiancé, and no, it didn't start off that way. It wasn't arranged, Andy, but uh, (laughs) when she first connected with this guy, we were all waiting. When She she took a while to introduce us to Kevin, Mm -hmm. and we're all, we've just all got the greasy-haired heroin addicted look in our in our eyes and this guy comes along and he's he's a skinny guy but he's just a well made boy and he's he's he owns his own house and takes care of his property what has he got like 10 acres something Something, ridiculous like that something like that he's hard worker hard worker and uh yeah even gets injured on the job and goes back to work i mean it's just a and he's a really good guy who loves my daughter 
to no end. There's no question. And it was really cute. Hmm. Uh, last year, I get this call. Hey, Dave, it's Kevin. Can I come over? I'm like, uh, sure. And part of me, is, the spidey sense is telling me, oh, no. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Oh, no. What, what's going to happen here? And then the other side of me is telling me, you know, she's pregnant or they're about to get engaged. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm waiting for that. He shows up and this kid is nervous and fidgety, right? And he sits down on the couch and he just, you know, I just want to tell you how much your daughter means to me. And I'm like, okay, I know where this is going. You know, there's still that offshoot. It could be, we're going to be expecting, you know, which, uh, but I'm like, okay, great. And then it was so sweet. He gets these, just these big tears well up in his eye, which then starts my throat bobbing up and down and I'm doing hard swallow, trying not to start to get all misty. And he's like, you know, I've, I'm going to be honest with you. I've lived with a woman before, but it never felt right. And ever since Kayla moved in with me, my house finally feels like a home. And I was like, okay, that's great. And he's all welling up. I'm welling up. And then he goes, so I would like to ask your permission. I was going to propose to her last night by the Christmas tree. And then I thought, no, I want to do this right. And I want to ask your permission. So would you mind if I married your daughter? And man, it was hard not to start the, (laughs) you know, I'm like, yeah, that'd be funny, Kevin, whatever. You know, I'm turning my face away and wiping the tears out of the corner of my eye. Even telling this story, I'm getting weepy big ninny that i am but uh that was that was totally new to me Mm -hmm. um to have that connection but it was that was nice and i'm so thankful they found one another and my my daughter's a precious piece of cargo and a an amazing girl and an amazing woman and to find this nice guy Mm -hmm. was such a relief Mm. and you know my other my boys and my oldest son is married my oldest daughter's married they're happy and in the place they need to be my son's got two two kids my oldest daughter's got one and um you know now nathan who's in college he's just going through the rigmarole of trying to find relationships at work but then he realizes which to his credit again is one of those things he's like yeah dad i'm dating this new girl she's great and she's intelligent she's my you know she's the right height because my son is six foot four Andy. he's really tall you should see i have a picture of him hugging cassie and his arms are just out in front of him, and she's still like a foot yeah. below his arms as he's trying to You just hug see her. my little eyes peeking out <laughs> from under his arms. And, uh, you know, most of the women he meets are very small, you know, women. Yeah. So he finds some in his height range that he's more comfortable with, but they don't last. But he's been very much like, you know what? School's really important to me now. I only have a year and a half left. That'll be my main focus. You know, love will be there. You know, and he keeps fine. So at least he's finding people that he, he makes a connection with for a short time and realizes you can fill those empty spaces once in a while with, with great people that come in and out of your life, but they're not always forever people. Mm-hmm. And to his credit, he hasn't glommed onto one and forced it. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think a lot of people make that mistake, especially early on. Yeah. You just want to have a girlfriend or a boyfriend so bad that you you'll jump into that you know, full feet and not let go. And then it, it becomes more devastating. So he's had more realistic expectations, I think, mm-hmm. which is a good sign of balance, or he's just really good at faking us out and making <laughs> us think he's more well-adjusted than he really is about it. Um, but I don't know, you know, th- those kid relationships are tough. I've been lucky to dodge those bullets for a long time and not have to deal with it. But now we've yeah. got this glut of six kids in our household, right. That are between the ages of, 16 and six years old and they're all you know well with the exception of max who's got multiple wives apparently and (laughs) and girlfriends the rest of them are all starting to get into that age we've got them now between what the 12 uh 14 16 16, so they're all in this kind of range 
Um, but I know Pacey, my daughter, really, I think, really wants to find a boyfriend. Now, she's in eighth grade, so I think she's okay with the fact of not having one. But I think high school, she's got a lot of expectations. Yeah. And I don't know how to temper those expectations. Yeah. Honey, you may not find the guy in high school. You might realize just what a bunch of douche nozzles high school boys really are. Yeah. Well, I had uh, my first real girlfriend. Mm-hmm. We were together from 13 to 18. Um, and it really did teach me that... At that age, the person you start out with isn't going to be the person you end up with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's even true into your 20s for some people. So it really does, like when I hear about people getting married when they're 19, it's like, you know, their brains aren't even done developing yet. Right. So in six years, this person might have a complete personality shift and then what well especially in adolescence you physically and emotionally yep. change so much your attitude your perception of who you are as a person is constantly changing i would say all the way up into your 30s yeah. you know i mean so it's hard i mean i got my first husband i got married at the age of 20 mm. and it did last our marriage lasted 14 years but we changed so much and I just realized at the end of the marriage that we were two completely different people and wanted different mm-hmm. things than in life, and it just wasn't going to work anymore. And, you know, um, which I'm glad I took the leap, and now I'm married to you. And and you'll stick it out until we're not compatible anymore, <laughs> you son of a... I'm done. I'm done growing. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not growing anymore. Should I be worried, uh, Andy, that she said she'd rather be a widow than a divorcee again? <laughs> Should I take that as some kind of threat? Interesting. Play, play nice or I'll end up uh, swimming with the fishes? You're stuck with me. Oh, no, I, it's going to be a tough job, but I'll take it. I, I you know, I dated a, not a ton of guys in my adolescence, but I, I started, um, you know, hardcore relationships at a young age. And mm. um, I do regret a lot of it. But I think I had to go through that, and I'm at where I'm at today because of what I've w- went through, I mean, I had some duds in my, especially in high school. Mm-hmm. It was pretty, pretty rough. And I did have my first true love at, in, I think I was just coming out of eighth grade and I dated a guy for three years. He was Wait like a minute. My you first... told me I was your first true love. You. Well, no, lying. like that high school, like that first really... husband. I never cared. <laughs> about no. him. You know what I'm talking about? Right, Not right. like a no, crush, but right. it was like a first like love. Right. And I was devastated when that ended, and I went right into a relationship that was just horrible. That's very so, common. Yeah, it is, and I and I realized that pattern, and I just you know mm-hmm. cut that off. I'm like, I can't do that again. But um, yeah, I think especially for girls too, it is hard, especially in high school. You have this. You have. Um, well, I got to give you a lot of credit. You, you know, I don't know how much you want the the audience to know, but that bad relationship. Oh, I've talked about it before. A yeah. lot of people have come out of those type, and they find somebody just like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it goes from one beating to another with these people, and it drives me crazy. <clears throat> and I watch, and I've talked to man. I can't tell you how many friends I've counseled through this that are like. Oh, but I think he's going to change. And he, I know he loves me. And I'm like, eh. the minute he's knocked you to the floor and you're bleeding, there's no love there. There's no. nothing there that says love. Mm. What it says is I want total and utter control. Yep. And you will abide by it or you'll get knocked to the ground again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what, that's gonna, what are we going to do if it comes to that point? One of our girls has, has that kind of, how do you even notice? Did your parents realize this was going on? Nope. It yeah, was see, hidden that's very well. I, I hit it um, 
if people don't know, I've mentioned it before, but I was in a very abusive relationship in high school, and he would purposely abuse me where people couldn't see right. the damage. And um, I just, I had that mentality, I can help him, I can fix him. Um, he says he's going to change, he's sorry. And you truly love this person, but then you realize it's a codependency. And then you're like, how I, how can I love this person if this is what he does to me? And I realized that, and that's when I ended the relationship because mm-hmm. I just couldn't do it anymore. And I didn't fall into that uh, pattern of going with the same type of guy. I'm, I'm glad I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was pretty brutal. And it's hard because, um, you know, especially young girls, they – glob onto that relationship because it defines who they are at that so age. So do you think, did any part of it, and this is something I've been worried about, you know, I've joked around telling my girls, oh, if anybody ever hurts you, they will never find the body. Mm-hmm. And I know that um, Kayla made a comment to me once when something was not going right, and she said, Dad, I was just afraid to tell you I didn't want you to go after this guy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, that's the, the classic statement, you know, I would break their neck if they do this. But maybe as, as fathers... Or even as mothers, we need to step up and say, no, of course, we're not going to physically hurt this person that hurt you. Mm-hmm. But you need to you need to let us know. And, and you can't stay in a relationship like that because it does not get better. Mm-hmm. It ends up one of two ways. You end up dead or both of you end up in jail. Well, I think one of the main reasons why, when I look back, one of the main reasons why I didn't tell my parents anything, because I was full of shame. I mm-hmm. was shameful of myself that I'm letting somebody do this to me. But, you know, you have this false sense of love for this person and you just you, you want to hold on to that and, you know, hopefully things would get better. But then I was lucky enough to come to a realization that that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. And um, but, yeah, I was very once I told my parents what happened, my, my dad was furious with them. Right. Of course. Um, but they told me they just sat me down and they said, look, you know, you can talk to us about anything. And I, you know, I said, I wish I could have at that time. I said, I, I just, I was so ashamed of myself. I just didn't want to. Well, see, it, then maybe that's the lesson that needs to be taken away. If anybody listening to this is in that situation, if you feel shameful mm-hmm. for staying in a relationship like this, that should be your biggest key element, too, that that means this isn't a good thing. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to work. It's not going to fix itself. Um, and you, you have to take care of yourself. Nobody else is going to do it. Mm-hmm. You have to learn to step away. And it gets scary, I know, because there are some situations where you step away and that's when things can get worse. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's terrifying. We have to take a break. John Kim is going to join us in a few minutes promoting his new book, I Used to Be a Miserable F- and Every Man's <laughs> Guide to Meaningful Life. We'll do that next year on The Tom Bernard Show. Tom Bernard here. Hey, let me ask you, do you know me because you recognize my voice or my face? Good question, isn't it? Let me ask you another one. What do you think when I say priority courier experts? Do you know them because you recognize their trucks or do you know them by their name? Well, let me tell you something you might not know about my friends at Priority. 485 local drivers, 85 office staff, 37 million deliveries since 1997, and an opportunity for you to join their company. Drivers, you can join the fleet in your own vehicle or lease to own one of theirs. Or you can join the office staff and earn the most respectable pay in the business with 15 days off in your first year. Medical, dental, matching 401k, and a genuine chance for advancement. Just ask Jeff, who started as a customer service rep and is now company controller. Over 5,000 Minnesota companies rely on Priority. 
Because every time you call us, we deliver. Join the team today at Priority.com. That's Priority.com. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. Now, are we going to run through the mixtape of love that I've sent to you through uh, our dating experience? Yeah. This would be our second song I sent to you, right? Little Bruce Springsteen. Good choices, though. Boy, this guy's a good. This is my favorite Bruce song. He's a good singer, good, good uh, musician, just an overall good storyteller, too. Um, Hey, listen, I want to tell people uh, there's something cool coming up next week. If you're in the now and you want to go, uh, there are still a few tickets that remain. Cassie and I are going to be there. We're going to be on the Walker Stalker Cruise. So for those of you that are fans of the Walking Dead TV series, they're uh, doing the final Walker Stalker Cruise. They've got um, many of the cast members from the Walking Dead series, past, present, and future, that are a part of the cruise. There are still some cabins available. You can get information by going to darknessevents.com, and that way you can find out how you can get on the cruises. Uh, it's, it's great, man. We had a good time doing the Jericho Cruise yes. back in October. And then doing the Walker Stalker cruise, I'm looking forward to that. Just to you know, nights of zombies walking the ship. That's going to be totally awesome. Oh, I know, I know. I'm I'm excited because I don't know. It was my first cruise going on the Jericho cruise, and it was a phenomenal experience. I mean, just being on a ship out at sea with just a bunch of fun people was yeah. You know, and just man, the being, tranquility of the sea too. Yeah. Have you ever gone on a cruise, Andy? When I was like eight, ah, I don't remember it. When you can't really uh, appreciate, yeah, appreciate it. <laughs> I took my son when he was about eight years old as well. I I won uh, tickets for me and my girlfriend, which I didn't have at the time, so I took my son instead on a cruise. And his his whole excitement was he liked staying in the room, so he would Pretty because much. they had the mask and Ace Ventura on yep. constant loop in the bedroom. Uh, and I'd I'd leave him three one dollar bills, and he could call down to. Uh, this is when you could leave your eight year old alone on the uh, cruise ships. He would call down to the uh, room service and order peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> so they'd bring him up a chocolate milk and a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and a cookie and he'd give him a buck tip and he was so excited and they had to know code words to get in so it was very cloak and dagger. But that was like, I'm like, let's go outside and watch the waves. No, Dad, they're going to show the mask again. I'm like, son, you've seen it 82 <laughs> times. And he goes, alrighty then. <laughs> no, son, you're missing the point. Um, well, I just love being disconnected from everyone. Yeah. You know, It seemed like it was just... <laughs> Just this release of of tension and just, oh, uh, you could just be yourself. Maybe I mean, for you it was a nightmare for me. No, was it? <laughs> Do you remember when I was doing the video? Oh yeah, you were trying to get signal from the <laughs> off the offshoot island. We were yes floating by. Do you have any internet you can spare? <laughs> no, I really, I really appreciated it. Yeah. You know, I felt like this weight lifted off of me, and I could just breathe and just not have to deal with chaos of the internet oh god it's yeah. a, it's amazing when you cut that off mm-hmm. how it can make you feel mm-hmm. I, I seriously i mean did you have withdrawals 
I didn't want to tell you this, but I did make little videos of online interaction so that I could go in the bathroom and pretend to be texting people and just see scrolling <laughs> answers. I just needed that connection. Did you just put no. the Instagram stamp on it. If I truthfully, if I didn't, everybody's like, "Oh, you can walk away." I use my social media mm-hmm. and things for promotion of my radio yeah. show and the programs I, I'm involved in. And if I didn't need to do that, I would throw my phone away, except for, you know, I would go to my dad's version of just a flip phone. A jitterbug? <laughs> my dad's got the flip phone and refuses to move off of it, Andy. It's I'm surprised my dad doesn't do that. Yeah, he just, he goes with the flip phone and he keeps finding, you know, and if, if the company that he's working for no longer services flip phones, he changes. He's willing to make that move. Um, Your dad's so cute. I love it. He opens it up and says, okay, Google. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't work like that, Jim. (laughs) Well, because he sees me do it all the time. And if he wants to know something, now he flips it open. Okay, Google. And then he looks at it. I know what a jerk. Oh, now my phone is answering. Yes, let me look that up for you. What a jerk. Oh, my God. It's just going on and on. I love having fun. Yeah, here are the top searches. (laughs) What what a jerk. I love uh, knowing now that you can say things like Alexa. And somebody's Alexa around them will turn on. Yep. Alexa, yeah. subscribe to Beyond the Darkness podcast. Yeah. There, now everybody hears that, right? 24 7. <laughs> exactly. Oh. Uh, messing with that. Although now we've got these Alexas in our house, and I'm not happy. We're getting weird stuff happening, Andy. Yeah. You know? We've I got don't, to- yeah, I don't think I could. Uh, I don't just, I don't like the idea, which is interesting because, like, my uh, laptop has Cortana on it, mm-hmm. which is. Uh, the Windows version of Alexa, mm-hmm. but I guess it, it, Cortana is a lot less powerful than Alexa. So you know, mm-hmm. it's there's no chance of it accidentally ordering you know five thousand dollars or right. worth of something <laughs> or you know. And I, Microsoft has been around for a long time and it has a good track record. Whereas Jeff Bezos has done some kind of shady stuff and you know. Yeah. Well, that's what they want you to believe. Oh, we have a good track record. You can trust Cortana, <laughs> Andy. Uh, trust yeah, in Cortana. I actually heard my um, – I, I come out of doing my, my radio show late last week, and my daughter's room is lit up. She's not home. And I, I hear a voice come out of her room, and I open the door, and the, the Alexa shuts off. And I'm like, well, what the hell was that all about? And then I go over there, and the mute button's on. So I ask I, – you know, I ask it out loud. I go – um, Alexa, you know, replay what just, yeah. and it, it starts playing a, a kid's song. I'm like, that's not what was just coming mm. out of here. So then I'm like, okay, maybe it overheard my son's voice downstairs, but it had had the mute button on. So you have to turn it on in order for it to hear you. And so that it's not just recording willy nilly. Mm. Right. So I don't understand what's going on with it. It's, it's very strange. Uh, but there's been all kinds of weird noises and, and things, you know, they heard it laughing. It's been recorded yeah. laughing. Um, people have got these recordings of it. And if you hear it, it's it's a disturbing sound too, right? Because it's like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not like a. Have you heard that, Andy, or no? Yeah. Uh, apparently people, like it was somehow hearing the command Alexa laugh because I don't know why that's a command. but They it said is. Alexa didn't have the capability. It wasn't part of it. It wouldn't laugh. And this wasn't well, the voice. Like Alexa's got that female voice. And this was like a. <laughs> Like, like a, a guy's guy. voice. Mm. It was really weird. Because they did disable... Well, now you have to say, Alexa, can you laugh or something like that? And they disabled the ability to say, Alexa, laugh, which... Okay. That, that was their explanation. And so you can actually... They give you uh, multiple choices of naming your Echo Dot or whichever device you have a different name. So, like, I chose Echo, 
mm. instead of Alexa because everybody in the house yep. is Alexa and I don't mm-hmm. want mine going off constantly. So I changed it to Echo. Um, I wish I could give it any name I wanted because I would have called it Tammy uh, from Parks and Rec. Mm. So I could tell Tammy what to do. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Tam, it would be Tammy 2. Do you like Tammy 1? No, I don't like Tammy 1, but Tammy uh, 2 I like. Uh. <laughs> we have... Yes. John Kim. John Kim is joining us now on the air promoting his book, I Used to Be a Miserable F- and an Everyman's Guide to a Meaningful Life. John, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. What a great title for the book. How easy was that to get past the uh, publishers? <laughs> Actually, what's interesting is they, they're the ones who wanted uh, that title, and I had a lot of reaction, and I sat with it, and um, I realized the, re- the, re- the uh, resistance was coming from me being embarrassed, right, especially as a therapist, announcing that I used to be miserable, and so I thought, well, then that has to be the title. <laughs> I need to go first. That's perfect. I like, we've all heard, be a man, man up, but what does it mean to be a man? John Kim, also known as the angry therapist, has some answers. Uh, yeah, that you know, I've got boys. I've got a lot of boys in my household, and that have go- gone up and grown through my mm. my roof. Um, and the whole you know, be a man thing. I never really understood that statement, other than you know, own up to your responsibility is kind of what it came down to. But then, what does that tell my daughters? Right? Oh, you don't have to own up to your responsibilities. Right. You're not a man. Yeah, I um, I I think be a man, man up is one of the most toxic things we can say to our boys uh, because you're saying that if you're not, then you don't have value. And most of us, our definitions of man come from locker rooms and billboards and advertising passed down from you know generations, and they're not honest to us. So I don't like that whole idea of being a man or manning up. I think it's very loaded. No, you're right. That's uh, that's a tough statement to make on on people. And again, then you're you're. You're deballing them right from the start, right? You're not even that. That's a, such a yeah. destructive comment. It's not. It's not engaging them. But there are people that live through the. You know, the, right. they respond well with tough love and and comments like that. So it's you know, I guess it's kind of finding that that vibe. But most most kids find their role models, as you're saying in in the book, that you know, from manhood, from their fathers. And, yeah. you know, or, or strong men. And I know Tom Bernard, the host of the show, uh, who's out uh, right now, he, he says that he found it from um, neighbors' fathers that really kind of took him under his wing. Mm. And, and there were strong role right. models in their lives doing that. Um, but we are, you know, we're living in kind of a fatherless world now. Mm. There's, you know, divorce and, and so many single moms yeah. raising the, the boys. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what can we do when we do have our children? Uh, you know, I've, I've been through a couple of divorces and I've had to do that, but what, what's the best way to really kind of lead by example then for these kids? Yeah. So, um, I, the birth of this book came from me working in nonprofit, uh, for five years and helping teenagers with addictions and realizing that the common thread in all of them, not just, you know, half or 80%, like all of them, uh, was the absent dad. So dad was either physically gone or emotionally gone. And I saw the product of that. And then I looked at my own story and realized, you know, my dad actually wasn't there either. Um, you know, our parents did the best with what they could. And um, my dad's not a bad guy, um, but he was working a lot and he was never home. And so I realized that I got my definitions and the pressures of being a man uh, through athletics and locker rooms and, you know, the my my friends and sometimes that's not healthy you know and i i was lacking the uh, emotional milk and the definitions of what i thought a man looked like um 
I, I it, it, it rippled into all my relationships, right? Uh, the dysfunction and stuff. And it wasn't until I got divorced that I started to create my own definitions and what felt honest to me. And so, you know, the whole point of this book is to get other men uh, to do that, to look inward. And I think answering your question, it all starts with you. So um, whether you're a father or not, um, your behavior, your actions, your, the way that you live, choose to live your life is going to ripple. People are going to notice that. and It's going to impact other people. So I think men have a responsibility to start looking inward. Do you, you know, we as men have been told you've got to be strong, you've got to act this way, you've got to act that way. How do we start to break those false barriers that have been put up for so long and, and start to be better than that? Yeah, so first know that uh, by pulling from those definitions, ask yourself how that's impacting uh, your state and your life and your relationships. And if it's usually that it's not helping, usually it's creating conflict and, and disconnection. So if that's not working, then it's time to uh, look at what is going to work. And I think number one is to stop hiding and to actually show yourself. And what I mean by that is to be vulnerable, to be honest with yourself, to express how you feel and be okay with that, uh, knowing that that doesn't define you as a man. To me, it makes you more of a man. Yeah, you're right. Being more open and, and acknowledging. You know, that's the one thing I've tried to do is I, I – you know, I'm, I'm always quick to anger, but I'm quick to forgive as well. And that's been something, at least, that I've seen that my mm-hmm. kids have picked up on. They said, you know, Dad, you have a, an amazing propensity for forgiving and forgetting. And, and you get angry, but you, you work through it. I, and I've also tried my best when I fly off the handle about something that really isn't my kid's fault to go back to them and apologize for the way I handled it. And hoping that that... Yeah, and I think that... Yeah. That's the piece I think is important, and that's you humanizing yourself, and I think they're going to learn more from that, right? They're going to learn more from you returning and, and uh, taking ownership uh, than anything. Right, because I, in, in my honest opinion, you can't always pull back. You know, you, you always want to say that you're going to say the right thing, do the right thing. We can't as humans. We fly off the handles at the wrong times. We get mad about the wrong thing, or yeah. we, we deflect and, and get mad at somebody that had nothing to do with what we're really upset about, and then it's about going back and – and, you know, taking ownership. And I don't do that all the time. It's something I'm still working on, but it is something that I've tried to show my kids. You've got to, you know, hey, you've got to own up to these things when you make the mistakes. Yeah, it's not about being perfect. It's about being human. And so humans aren't perfect, you know, and I think uh, that's what's important uh, to our children, showing that we are all flawed and human and it's okay. I like your, your uh, do's and don'ts. Do be vulnerable. Don't be a douche. Don't be a bully and don't whine. Don't choose passion over purpose. Do participate in self-care. Don't get trapped in your own bubble. Don't stay in your comfort zone and don't take yourself too seriously. I love these tips and hints that you have throughout the book. It's a great book. I, I suggest people take a look at and and you know, especially if you're a father, you know, this might be a good way to kind of reopen how you you know perceive things and how you can make your life and the children's lives that you chose to have better. Yeah, thank you so much um, for taking a look at this. I hope that it uh, resonates with people. And what's happening, which is interesting, is a lot of women are buying this book. And I, I wrote it for men, um, but for some reason, women are picking it up, and they're helping me kind of wave this flag. I think Fantastic. part of it is they're frustrated with with men, but also it's, it's helping themselves, yeah. We'll put up a link for the book on, on today's show. John Kim, thank you so much for stopping in and spending some time with us today. Thank thank you for helping me create a dialogue. I appreciate it. You got it. All right, stay tuned. We'll be back. We've got more here on the Tom Bernard Show.